This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny Kaye, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. Welcome to Power Athlete Radio. This is Steve. I'm here with Denny, Luke, and Callie. What's up, everybody? What's going on? What's up? Hey. All right. It's 80 degrees in Chicago. It's a beautiful day. And then it'll be 17 degrees tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I live day by day. I look outside. I see green grass, sunshine. I'm happy. It's warmer in Chicago than it is in Georgia. Crazy. Crazy crazy people out there <laughs> that's crazy all right uh so what do we got on the docket here denny well luke just well he didn't just get back from australia but recently how was that long flight <laughs> that's long the first flight come to mind. but uh yeah ben and i had a cert down there at crossfit gcs daz and block are the guys that run that place down there it's one it's the reebok gym in australia but we had a start down there and it was, it was great. I mean, there's great people down there. The good thing about when you travel to some of these international destination destinations is people tend to travel as well. So they want to get the most out of the seminar that they can. Plus they don't get a lot of specialty seminars down there just mm-hmm. given the whole travel requirements, but it was good. Uh, we met a guy down there, Anthony Lowe, who, uh, who works at CrossFit GCS and he's like the, uh, the K star of the Southern hemisphere, I guess. And he, he was prodding at Ben. Ben was all broken from the flight and, uh, he was telling Ben everything that was wrong with him. So it was, it was pretty cool. And we're hoping to, uh, we're actually hoping to host him out here for, at our gym for a week or two when he, he's planning on coming in for the games, uh, which we're going to have a booth at. we're going to be at regionals as well this weekend in SoCal. But once the games hit, hopefully Ant will be out there and, uh, he'll get to show some of his magic at the CrossFit football booth and meet some of the, the people and some of our followers out uh, out here. So it's going to be a good time. Nice. But uh, let's see, what else can I tell you? Oh, we did a video demo for maybe an upcoming workout either this week or next week on some broad jumps in front of the Sydney Opera House. Uh, so we had Ben doing some broad jumps into flyaway sprints, and people were just looking at us like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this in Australia? And it was a whole bunch of crazy tourists snapping pictures and stuff. So, so tourism in Australia now has pictures of Luke and Ben working out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Running around and Ben's in his like skinny jean capris with a white deep V. And then I'm wearing, <laughs> you know, I'm wearing CrossFit football shirt and jeans like a normal person. But, uh, you know, Ben prides himself on his sense of fashion. So wait, wait, he wears skinny jeans. Uh, fact. Him and wow. Callie actually share the same skinny jeans. Currently defriending on Facebook. <laughs> um, I didn't think people still wore skinny jeans. Uh, yeah, it's it's a fact. They do out here in Southern California. Yeah, but honestly, the highlight of the trip, um, Ben and I misread our itinerary, and we may or may not have celebrated uh, Cinco de Mayo with a couple of the guys out in Sydney. And got up plenty early for our flight, went to go return the rental car, got stuck in horrific traffic. 
And on an international flight, it would it would be in your best interest to show up two hours early. Well, dude, we're sitting in traffic for 90 minutes and our flight takes off in 45 minutes. So I pull up to the terminal. I pitched Ben my passport. I'm like, go check us in. I'll meet you at the gate. And totally was not thinking because you can't get past security without your passport. So I'm yeah, you got to keep your passport with you. Dude, I'm an idiot. All right. So at this point, we're panicking. I'm running across the whole airport looking for Ben in the terminal. I finally find our flight. Uh, it's like Delta Airlines 930 flight. Find him at the at the check in. And I'm like, I look at him. He gives me this look of like, we blew it. I'm like, all right. So we have one more day in Sydney. It's not the worst thing in the world. Well, we read our itinerary wrong. The rental car had to be back at 1030. Our flight was like at 230. So this whole sense of relief comes over. We go to the Delta Airlines uh, uh, VIP club and we just sat there. All you can eat like little sausage rolls and maybe had a couple beers or two. But that's the excitement you get with international travel at the Foster Football Seminar staff. We lost Denny to uh, R2-D2. So, uh, so anyway, the internet, the internet terrorists are out stealing bandwidth. Yeah. They they heard, they heard passport and they, they attacked. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So it sounds like your trip was cool. It's, uh, seems cool that you guys can travel all over the place and, uh, and meet some people. How many people were at the Australia cert? Like, or, or, let me ask a question differently. How is the numbers of attendance at like a, a foreign cert relative to uh, homeland cert? Uh, tends to be more just because they don't get as much attention. Okay. So uh, we had 32 or 33 in Australia, uh, which is pretty good. But typically the, the Australia cert we hit last time, last year in December, we had, and you know, we sold out. We were like at 48, 50, something like that. Uh, Germany, we same thing. We sell good. South America's blowing up, uh, so it's gonna makes for some fun little kind of micro vacations slash weekends away slash work. But that's uh, good stuff, man. Nice, awesome, cool. All right, uh, so let me uh, just tell everyone about the team series. Um, yeah, you were there, remember? I I barely remember. Um, it's all blur. I did the Atlanta team series, which I think was the second one. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, Callie and you guys did a great job. It was super well organized. And um, our team came in third because of the final event totally crushing us. Um, but I do want to say we we did lose to a team filled with regionals and games competitors. Um, so I feel a little bit better losing to a team like that. Um, but it was a super cool event. Um, how many teams ended up showing up, Callie? I believe we had 10 teams, 10 or 11. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there to anyone who's listening to that, that if you haven't signed up, you should definitely sign up because it's totally fun. Um, it's not like your typical team, uh, team CrossFit competition where you're like, carrying your partner on your back or some stupid shit like that. It's a bunch of individual events that get a team score. So you're still working as an individual, but unless you get to the final event and then um, hopefully you don't shit the bed like our team did and you work together as a team. And um, so it's, it's really, 
it's fun. And if you're following CrossFit football, it's like you guys have been saying, if you're doing CrossFit football with that kind of conditioning, then the wads are going to be fine. You're, you're going to get through them. They're, they're, they're like what you would expect to see on CrossFitFootball.com. Good, good. I'm glad you felt like it was a good reflection. I think, I think it was a good reflection. I think my, my team had fun. Um, I think we were in first place going into the Prowler shuttle and yeah, uh, points wise, you guys were doing awesome. You got first place up at the very end. And, and I think by, you guys were in first place by like, uh, 20 points. So that's pretty good. Um, I was, you know, part, a little part of me was sad that you couldn't take it home, but yeah. you, uh, you had some problems suffering at the end. So yeah, yeah. That, that's one bit of advice that I would give to people, uh, who are trying it out is, uh, work your suffering threshold. <laughs> uh, forget about everything else. Just work the suffering threshold. It, it was, I mean, yeah, we just had trouble and it wasn't any one member of our team. Just, we all just, we don't even have a prowler at our gym. You know what our prowler is? Um, I built a, I built a quote unquote prowler. I, uh, at a garage sale around the corner, I bought an old weeder bench for 20 bucks and I ripped the bench off and I welded a steel tube to the middle. And it was one of those old weeder benches that has the uprights attached to it. So that was my pushing bars. And I attached a steel pipe to the center. I threw plates on there and I attached some like plastic, real thick PVC to the bottom, which like shredded every time I used it. And I just pushed that up and down my street. But sit, I mean, in the last year we've had no sleds on it. So we've just been pushing on basically worn down bolts on asphalt, which basically goes about 10 yards if you have more than 45 pounds on it. Um, so we don't, we didn't even have a prowler. We just kind of went in blind, which was maybe stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I like your honesty though. Then, uh, yeah, then you're probably ranked accordingly by the end, end of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Man, that event crushed us. Um, anyhow, so I'm not gonna, I'm not going to cry over that, even though I'm really sad that we didn't win those plates because the plates are awesome. Yeah, uh, so hey, we got two questions. I know you got to get coaching, Luke. So um, Mason Mills asks, uh, hey, guys in Cali, blah, blah, blah. My question is about when to switch off the amateur progression. Um, sort of paraphrasing, he does like a quasi backloading, carb backloading, paleo-ish, gluten-free tries to sleep good. Uh, I'm finding that I'm resetting, stalling on all my lists, but I'm nowhere near some of the other badasses on CrossFit football. Um, but then in the end, he says, sorry with long email. I figured I would throw out as much information as I could get some solid advice. Considering my training goals of fat loss, should I continue stalling on an amateur program, uh, progression, fighting for smaller gains with frequent resets or move on to collegiate programming? And one of the things he says is that he's currently 200 ish pounds, uh, full-time student, part-time military, and trying to get down to 185 to look shredded in his mankini this summer. Oh, there's so much, so many gems in that. <laughs> <laughs> That's hot. <laughs> We're going to need, uh, before we can answer, I need a before <laughs> and after picture of Mason in his mankini. <laughs> yeah. Not to not post on the internet. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's break this off. 
In terms of the desired training result of the CrossFit football program published on the website, it is to make bigger, stronger, faster athletes. Uh, notice that there's no guarantee of abs or uh, man V, as Ben likes to call it. And at the end of the day, our nutritional recommendations are based off of progression through the amateur progression and collegiate progression. And we typically set, tend to say, earn your carbs, eat when you're hungry, and eat until you're full. I would bet that uh, Mason would have a lot more success on this amateur progression if he ate more food and he didn't care about his abs. But understanding that that's not his goal, um, I guess I don't know really how to advise using our training system because that's not the purpose. It's not optimal. I mean, he's, he's not uh, he's not going to reach that optimal strength, and that's not a surprise that he's, his lifts are tapering a little bit and he feels like they're maybe not competitive with other people his size or his age. Um, and because uh, he has this kind of conflicting, could these conflicting goals, I, I mean, right out the get go, that's the first thing that I noticed about the email. And it's, it's evident in the very end of it that, uh, there's, you know, this inverse relationship between him wanting to get strong and then him wanting to look good in a man. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I think he's sort of answered his own question in a lot of ways. There's no doubt in my mind that he's. He's probably adding in some extra supplemental work so that he can, you know, get in shape for the summer or whatever. And um, he needs to understand that all of those little things, all those little variables um, add up to maybe a lesser performance. So. And that, so what I want to do real quick to make this a for a lot of people who may not care about the mankini, uh, which is fine if you do. Let's answer this in a vacuum. So resetting in the amateur progression. So here's what the whole deal with the amateur progression, regardless of whoever walks through our gym, their training age is zero. So we put them on an amateur progression. You're going to be squatting 30 reps a week and you're going to be pressing horizontally and vertically 15 reps a week with a dynamic pull and a deadlift. You're going to be adding pound or poundage week after week. The way this whole thing's work works is you need to take a conservative starting point because it's not about starting. It's about finishing. And there's really three phases of adaptation that don't necessarily occur in a vacuum, but are heavily weighted. So the first phase of the amateur progression and the training effect that will take place is something called intermuscular coordination. That means all the muscular components are going to get coordinated. I like to relate this to throwing a baseball. Uh, you learn how to step, twist your hips, and follow through. After that, we go into intramuscular coordination, where you're starting to talk about a little central nervous system efficiency in terms of getting all your muscle fibers and motor units to fires in sequence. After that intramuscular coordination uh, starts to build up, the biggest limiting factor on progressing through the amateur program is hypertrophy. Hypertrophy being uh, muscle, gain. muscle gain. It's a dirty word in some CrossFit circles, but we're big fans of it. Out of the two types of hypertrophy, one being sarcoplasmic, the other being myofibrillar, we are really focusing on driving myofibrillar hypertrophy because we are increasing the muscle's potential to generate force. In order to build that tissue, we're going to have to feed the machine. So <laughs> that's where we like to have this hypercaloric approach to, to a nutrition with a, a diet that's really heavy in protein, animal proteins, because that last six weeks of adaptation, which is going to be heavily weighed towards this hypertrophy, we need to have adequate food intake. Once all that stuff has kind of 
tapered out. We see this happens in roughly 12 weeks, maybe at the high end that we've ever seen, uh, 20 weeks, I guess, with resets and resets and resets. If you if you continue on beyond that, you're really out of optimal gains. And that's where we know at the end of 20 weeks, there's a divergence in terms of your limiting factor and the adaptation you need to drive. You either, either need to work on central nervous system efficiency or need to work on hypertrophy. And uh, the muscle itself and your central nervous system are the components that are responsible for generating force into a foreign object like a barbell or your opponent. So in order to drive that adaptation, we have to balance our volume and our intensity. And that's when you would move on to the collegiate template. And that's where you live for a couple of years, uh, varying based off of your understanding of what your training goals are. So that's for that person who really doesn't care about the ad lines and they just want to get stronger and they want to be able to you know, put their helmet or put their hands through their opponent's chest and uh, you know, come out standing on top. So with that said, so, so that should eliminate any questions about when to switch. I mean, Luke, that is the most thorough and succinct answer to that question. And I feel like that comes up on the CrossFit football boards at least once a week. Somebody comes on and says, when do I switch? I've stalled this. I've stalled that. And I mean, that's the answer right there. It, it really is because, it, you know, the M. I like to say a tree can't grow to the sky. That amateur progression is the optimal approach to building strength and power only for a short window. You can, you can ride that out. Callie, how long did you ride yours out? Uh, almost a year. Yeah. So Callie was one of these people, uh, texts when her training partner made her ride, just ride this thing out forever. And just to see kind of what happened. And I believe he just kind of kept resetting, but kept breaking yeah. through plateaus. Yep. Yep. But little by little. Now, the reason being is, uh, they were balancing this volume and intensity through this reset model, but there's a better way to do it. And we utilize it through the, on the collegiate template through some undulating periodization. You see us uh, vary between sevens, tens, threes. We do some RMs. We add some sprinting in there. We go lighter on certain days, uh, you know, doing your squat clusters, things like that. All that is different ways to balance volume and intensity. And at the end of the day, if you have a training day that's heavy and in, an intensity-based training day, you're going to be driving adaptation to central nervous uh, CNS efficiency. If you have a volume style day, you're going to be catering more towards that hypertrophy model. So that's why we, you know, that's where John said, I believe, I don't, I can't recall the podcast, but that's where, you know, that's like, Hey, don't worry about it. Just let us put our arm around your, your neck and you just don't worry about it. We'll take care of that. All you need to do is show up to the gym, load up the website on your phone, on your tablet, on whatever, and do what we say. Yeah. And it works. And that's where balancing volume and intensity becomes more optimal than keeping volume consistent in terms of reps, adding volume in terms of tonnage, and increasing intensity week after week, which is that amateur progression. Right. So, yeah, it's almost like once you, you, you grow that tree, you sort of train the system, then that varying intensity and volume is in a sense kind of – uh, sort of optimizing what's left or sort of almost tricking the system into continuing to grow. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask a related question. Cause I think that's like the nail in the coffin, right? So if that, if that gets emailed in again, we're probably not going to answer that one. What about if you're on collegiate when now collegiate and the pro look very similar. Now you had right. just said you're on collegiate and that's where you live for a couple of years, but 
Um, maybe could you elaborate a little bit when it's time to make the jump from collegiate to pro or is that like an either or kind of thing? I mean, can you just talk about that a little bit? Sure. But before I dive into that, let me let me address the leaning out deal. OK, so let's answer the other question in back. Oh, yeah. Right on. All right. So, Mason, if you want to look good in your mankini, I think you look great already. <laughs> but if you want to look better and you're trying to lean out, uh, the prescription is going to be a little more volume. It's going to be get your sleep. Sleep's going to be a huge component of this uh, to help combat any sort of cortisol levels. And then uh, you need to be hypocaloric. You got to be in a caloric restricted, caloric restricted state. The trade-off is going to be performance. Uh, it might even affect your mood and your testosterone levels, but you'll lean out. So that's essentially, I know that this, I went through kind of a leaning cycle a few years ago. It was the worst time of my life, but I look good. Uh, but I was just basically uh, hypocaloric. I was maybe eating 2,400 calories a day, didn't eat any carbs, ketogenic, uh, lifted weights, still did CrossFit football style uh, training with a little bit of volume on the back end in terms of abs, obviously, and uh, some pull-ups and stuff like that. But I leaned out, my performance went to shit, but I looked, you know, I had the ab veins and looked awesome in a mankini. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's all I can really approach. There- but don't expect to make gains and don't expect to be happy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I concur with that. Uh, I mean, I, I joke sort of partially joke when I, I tried to do the zone diet one time and the zone diet is, um, in a sense, it can be predicated on hypocaloric intake. And I, I mean, she nearly divorced me. I was, a, I was a hot mess and it wasn't until I came on and I, I was like you, I looked good for, for like an old guy. I had, you know, full on six pack and veins and all that stuff. Um, but man, I was a miserable son of a bitch. I felt horrible. It actually started to impact my sleep and my cognition. When I went off it, it was like I took some kind of antidepressant. All of a sudden I had, I couldn't see my abs as much anymore. I performance went through the roof, sleeping better. And my wife, Austin was like, what happened to you? And I was like, I went off the zone diet. And she's like, you're never allowed to go on the zone diet ever again. You're never allowed to diet ever again. Um, and I know John, John's had a similar deal when he went ketogenic and was essentially uh, hypocaloric. But it, it works in terms of body composition if that's what your training goal is. But don't expect your numbers and your sanity to stay at its peak. Yeah. So uh, I guess now jumping over on the other rail here, let's talk collegiate and professional. Essentially, with the professional and collegiate parallel each other quite a bit in programming, but what you'll notice is uh, during certain cycles, the, the professional template will have less volume. Okay, because at the end of the day, you know, if you're talking about somebody who's gone through this training gambit, they're and they're far beyond their genetic potential. Uh, you know, this is again, this is just a template. This is just a shell, and at the, you're going to figure out as you go through this life cycle of a CrossFit football follower and you stay on the collegiate template, you're going to find what you need to add or what you need to take away to continue uh, your progression through these, through these templates. But at the end of the day, you can, it's safe to say that you can follow the collegiate template as prescribed for 12 months, 18 months, two years. And uh, I'm not sure if there's anyone out there that's been strict, 100% day in day out crossing football for two years, but I'd be interested to hear anybody's uh, anybody's story about that. 
We, we just have found, uh, and what we say it at the cert, you know, we, we give the methodology behind the template. And essentially what we're providing again is like that shell, that starting point. We don't know what to add for you based off of your training goals. We don't know what your limiting factors are, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to constantly juggle whether or not, let's say it's shoulder stability and your upper back is weak. We're going to have to add some sort of upper back work. Let's say, you know, your hips are weak or you need to work on hip coordination. You're going to have to do some sort of hip work. Um, if it's your trunk, you're gonna have to do trunk work. It's, it's, it's kind of on you. So I guess the cat's out of the bag that we're not offering a complete 100% complete training template for everybody simply out of the fact that due to the scale of our followers and the, you know, differing training goals, whether it's mankini or 38 inch vertical to get a scholarship out of a, you know, 290 pound, 16 year old lineman, we don't know what your guys' training goals are. And that's, I mean, that's kind of that. I mean, that's not to say that we don't give you the tools and, um, I guess the, uh, the know-how to get there, you know, what makes sense for what particular type of athlete, what kind of volume and intensity you should expect and what, you know, would help facilitate their success in their sport. So we definitely, uh, in terms of those guidelines, we, we, you know, go through all of that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Cool. Um, all right, so uh, I know you guys got to get coaching, so let's go to this next question, and then we'll wrap up. This one, I'm not even sure if we can answer it, but uh, Kevin Daly asks, could you guys hit on what it takes to start up and run a gym, maybe discuss what you would or should look for in a coach? I currently have no coaching experience, but find myself talking to others about lifting when they ask. Um, I try not to talk too much because I'm not certified. Um, any just uh, resources or anything like that? Cause he's saying there's no gym culture where he's at, but there's definitely a need. You guys have any insight on starting a gym or what to look for in a coach? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think if your, if your motivation is to make a ton of money and go live on a yacht somewhere. It's probably not the, you, you, I think that's the first part is to determine what your motivation behind starting a gym is. You want a place to hang out. Well, you know, you understand that to keep it running, you have to have a ton of members and beyond that, uh, those members will eventually kind of dictate what goes on in the gym. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of a good starting point. Yeah. And I guess, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you need a facility, so <laughs> you need to find a facility that's zoned accordingly. Is if, it it's, on? Turn it on. if it's not zoned accordingly, then you have to go through permitting and zoning or else you're uh, susceptible to some hefty fines. So there's a, there's an initial upfront investment. And again, you you have to determine what kind of gym you want. You know, at Balboa, um, we work with all sorts of professionals, whether they're young to middle-aged or even older than that. And they come in here literally for recess. They just want to come in, have fun. Some of them care about exactly, you know, what their lifts are, what they're going to pull next week. Uh, but for the most part, people just want to look good naked in the, in kind of the mainstream gym, uh, market general now let's say you're working with high caliber athletes which we're also fortunate enough to do here that's a whole different coaching persona uh depending on the level of the athlete whether they're let's say high school college, collegiate or they are established professional athletes there's three different programs you have to utilize there as well um i mean it, it's it's really a rabbit hole we can go down but if you're looking let's say to start a crossfit gym you need to get your level one we need to find a facility. I'd recommend somewhere between three to five thousand square feet to handle classes up to fifteen people. We need to find coaches that are trustworthy. 
Uh, I don't know how you do that. We typically hire from within. Uh, but in the case where we're looking to have CrossFit Balboa as a feeder system to football, sometimes you got to look in other regions to find the best in the world. High five. Uh, and I just high five. Uh, <laughs> so we were, I was recruited out of Chicago. Callie was recruited out of DC to come help here at Balboa. But uh, our other coaches, they were clients. So we have Sprague, who's a coach of ours. He he was a client for about eight months, and then we brought him on board. And then Chelsea trained here, and she coaches our, our general pop classes as well. Uh, Ben's just been here forever. He's like the uh, cranky old man. He's a cranky old man. He was like, get off my lawn, kid. Scram. <laughs> <laughs> but he, I know he, he trained with John and, and uh, John's brothers, and they hired him on after training in. So just to have someone who's a product of the culture come up the ranks and be a coach, that's what we would look for in a coach. Um, I don't know. I mean, Steve, what do you, what do you look for in this, in this sphere? Yeah, no, the same thing. Uh, dependability. Um, I, the one thing that I always look for is uh, eagerness to grow and learn. That is like not, not just getting your L1 and thinking that you know it all, but continuing to learn sort of uh, continuing education, if you will. And that could be anything from, you know, attending other certs to reading, um, you know, I mean, I think, I think you guys are a good model for that. And John's definitely a good model from that, from last podcast when he talks about like, all he does is read and he's just a wealth of, of information. Right. So I think we, we look for that. And then same thing sort of within the culture, uh, so that one, the other members are kind of familiar with the person and they've proven themselves as a hard worker, as an athlete, that sort of thing. Um, that's kind of how we roll. Um, the same kind of way, but now we've got a really small scale gym. We're, we're on a slow growth curve. So, um, we've only got, uh, you know, three coaches actually. So that works out well for still a lot of coaches. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's enough to cover our classes and, and, you know, every member knows every coach and every coach knows every member basically by name, which is, you know, the kind of thing, I mean, CrossFit gym is so much different than, you know, your, your Globo gym model. And so if that's what you're looking to start, um, I think people sometimes get caught up with, um, trying to have everything. I mean, you can do a lot. I mean, you could even sort of quote unquote, start a gym, like a traveling gym. If you wanted to do like boot camp type things. I mean, if you're really, if your desire is really to train people and feel good about making people healthy, right? Like, like that makes you feel good to help other people. You don't necessarily have to have a top notch facility to do that. But I do agree with you all that if your goal in the end of the day is to, to live on a yacht and, and, you know, be on MTV cribs, then this probably isn't the thing to do. Um, but yeah, so, but I mean, so, and it's a big commitment. I mean, you know, this is part-time for me. I'm professor by day and I know that our, our head guy, Caleb, I mean, he lives at the gym, you know, he, if, uh, if somebody cancels for covering the five thirty class, he has to go in. Somebody cancels the eight thirty class. He's, you know, he's there. He's basically lives at the gym all day. And you think it sounds cool when you say, okay, I'm going to live at the gym all day. I get to train all day and I'm going to go to the CrossFit games or whatever. But it turns out that you've got things to do like payroll, 
taxes, pay bills, clean the gym, make sure the equipment is up and running, make sure you got enough equipment, make sure members are paying, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, uh, you know, it's not all the glory that it might look like when you walk into the gym as a member. Oh yeah. So for sure, I guess that's a good way to put it. If you want to be part-time janitor, part-time office admin, uh, and then you get to train three hours a day as a coach, like you get to coach people three hours a day and maybe get your training in, that's basically a gym owner. And that's a good you know? point. Maybe get your training in, right? Because you, you have yeah. to pay the bills. And um, so I know sometimes Caleb and Kelly, they train after the last session. So they're training 8.39 p.m. And, you know, they're doing that because they're basically Olympic caliber athletes. But, you know, are you really going to do that? And, and Kevin says he's got three kids. You know, if you have three kids and a wife uh, living at the gym from five until 10 p.m., probably is going to be detrimental to your um your, your role as a husband, at least. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's important not to glamorize it, but at the same time, I have to say that if you're passionate about this field and you're passionate about what you do and strength conditioning, it is, uh, there's no other job I'd rather be doing, you know, and as much hard work as it does take and running a gym, I'm not a gym owner myself, but I cert- I certainly know what's involved. I know how much responsibility can be. And I know how sometimes, you know, you, you have to put yourself, you know, last, uh, in front of, uh, behind the gym, but, but it really is, it can be a very rewarding job as well. So, or rewarding kind of position to be in too. Sure. And and I mean, I guess speaking from someone who was on a fast track to make, you know, a decent salary, maybe get a boat. I don't know, like a 14 foot aluminum boat with a nice 150 horse outboard, nice. <laughs> which is a Midwest yacht. If anyone's on, he'd know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, not to say I gave it all up, but I mean, I, I guess I did. I kind of quit everything, went to a, a different, uh, different income level, income bracket, but I get to do what I really like. I get to mess around with people. I get to help people. And as a coach, one thing you, you start to learn as you build clientele, you're, you're looked at like a, an expert of all things, fitness and life. So you're, you're also part-time counselor, you know, but it's cool because you, people are super, super grateful for the time that you put in and the effort you put forth to make their lives better. And I know a lot of our people here are great at paying it forward and, you know, they'll take us out, buy us a beer, buy us a cocktail, make us a 50 pound sledgehammer, uh, in their garage, you know, and it's just like cool stuff kind of comes of it. So it's, if you believe in karma, it's all good karma. It's, yeah. it, it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. You're, it is rewarding. When I started doing CrossFit, just sort of like shits and giggles out of my garage. And one of my students from the college came and trained with me and over a summer, he lost something like 60 pounds. It was probably one of the most rewarding things that I'd ever done. So you're right. It is super rewarding, but you have to be willing to make the sacrifices for that, that sort of, like you said, the karmic good. Sure. Awesome. All right. Well, I think you guys got to run and coach. So I guess we'll say Power Athlete Radio is out for the day. We are out. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you guys later. All right. See you, Steve. Bye.